Good morning, Grace. It is good to be back. What uh, it seems like forever, 20 days, uh, tons of miles on an airplane, hours eating weird, strange food. Uh, I just want to personally thank you for your prayers, your kindness, your kind words that y'all have sent us over the weeks. Uh, it has been a uh, an amazing trip. Uh, sorry you don't all get to meet Samuel today. Uh, Luke got really sick yesterday, uh, and we're all still fighting a, a head cold on top of that, so... Uh, we needed one more day of rest, at least the family did. Uh, it, from 2 to 3, uh, let's see, I, I can't get all the people straight, but from 2 to 3, Luke was up, I think. And then from 3 to, or no, 2 to 3, was Samuel was up. From 3 to 4, Luke was up. And somewhere around 5 o'clock, somebody else got in the bed with me. Uh, I think it was Luke. <laughs> Needless to say, don't know how much sleep I got last night, uh, so if I talk in strange words and say some strange things, just throw it out, okay? I understand doing the best I can in light of not, uh, with a foggy mind and uh, some sick kids, but very, very thankful. To give you just a little bit of an update on Samuel, the, the, uh, the fitting into the family has been far beyond anything we could have ever dreamed. He has fit, uh, for lack of a better term, perfect. Uh, he is a handful, you will see. Uh, you're going to need to give lots of grace to him. Okay, He might walk up to some of your kids and punch them. Sorry, we're working on that one. Uh, it's not a mean punch. It's uh, just you know a love tap. Uh, we're, we, we, his name is officially on the documents uh, Samuel Jing James Sprott, and it fits because he is very much like a King James. He, I, we are convinced that he ran the orphanage, and you will see it when he comes around. He is an entertainer. He likes to smile, and he likes to... Uh, Make you laugh, and he will do everything he can to do that. Uh, he also is very uh, lovable. He, his, I would say some of his first English words are, I love you, uh, which is beautiful. Uh, we have learned uh, a little bit of Chinese. Wa'ani means uh, I love you in Chinese, so uh, I sing that to him every night, and we we fit so well. He fits into the group and very thankful. Uh, can't wait for you to meet him. Uh, Lord willing, we will all dress in our Chinese attire next week and we will come and introduce you to, uh, or we'll bring him and introduce you to Samuel next week. Very, very thankful though to be back. Y'all are now praying and fasting for my dissertation that I can finish. Uh, it does need to... Uh, uh, get written this week. I need to finish. I, I've got a long ways to go. So please pray for that, okay? 
but turn back over to First Peter if you're not already there. We're going to be digging into one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Uh, I've preached on this passage probably two or three times since the start of the church. And just thankful that I get to do it in sequence now as we walk through the passage. Uh, we are looking at the book of Peter that Paul uh, that Peter wrote on his way uh, on his way to the cross himself. Within within the next three years, Peter would die, uh, crucified. Most uh, historians say that upside down because he did not want to be crucified the same way that Jesus had been crucified. He is writing to suffering Christians and encouraging them on how they survive in a world that hates them. And we are going to be encouraged today as we look at this. We are going to see that survival is found in what we desire. If we desire the word of God, we are going to survive and thrive in this world. Not that we are necessarily going to avoid physical pain and suffering, but that we are going to find hope in our Lord. And know that he is enough. Desire is a powerful thing. Today we're going to see what we desire is extremely important. In fact, what you desire reveals you are where you are going in your future. And how you will get there. What you desire reveals where you are going in the future. And how you will get there. Why does what we desire determine our future? The answer... Because our desires determine our choices. What we desire, what we want, what we think on, what we crave, that's what we choose to do. It makes our choices. Today we're going to see what should be our primary desire. It is the Word of God that we should desire. The main command in this passage is found in verse 2. Notice in your Bible it says, Long for the pure milk of the Word. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Desire to study, to meditate on, to memorize, to understand, to embrace the Word of God. Desire the Scriptures. Crave it. Pursue it. Long for it. Engage the Word. Want it. Hunger for it. Yearn for the Word of God. That's what this passage is all about. What we desire determines where we're going and how we're going to get there. You all understand this should be the main reason you are here today. Though we are all excited about the new things that are happening in our life and how God has graciously given us Samuel, we're thankful for these things. But ultimately, you're here today, I hope, to hear the Word of God. Is that not true? We want the Word of God. We are a church of the Word. We are a church that try, tries to prioritize learning and proclaiming the Bible in everything we do. We don't have a thousand programs. All of you know that, right? We don't have a basketball league or a basket weaving class. Our goal is simple. Study and proclaim the Word of God. That's what we're here for. Today we're going to look at five features of our desire for the Word of God. We will see our desire for God's Word must be our priority. We're going to see that 
the introduction to our desire for the Word of God at the end of chapter 1. Actually, the, the, the chapter divisions here are not perfect. It, it should probably end somewhere around verse... Tw- or it should, the new chapter should either start at 22, chapter 1, verse 22, or it should end at the end of verse 3. These chapter titles, you understand the chapters weren't there in the original scriptures. It was one big letter. So from 1, 23... In 24, we'll see the introduction to our desire to the Word of God. We'll see the obstacles for our desire for the Word of God in verse 1 of chapter 2. The expanse of our desire for the Word of God in verses chapter 2, 2, the first half. The purpose for the desire for the Word of God in the last half of chapter 2, verse 2. And then the motivation for our desire for the Word of God. Let's start with the introduction to the desire for the Word of God. Notice with me, let's start in verse 22 and read this down through the end of the chapter again. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Last time we were in First Peter, we saw the cause and effect of becoming a child of God. Peter stated, we were purified through obedient faith that came from God's grace when he birthed us anew. We saw that in verses 22 and 23. The effect of our obedient faith was a sincere love of the brethren. All of us who have been born again through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we love one another, don't we? We're sacrificially committed to our brothers and sisters. We lay down our lives for other people. Then Peter explains that our rebirth happened through the living and enduring Word of God. And he quotes from Isaiah here. That is, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall off, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. The Scriptures, the Word of the Lord, are what are the instrument that God used to convert our soul. When we heard the Word of God, God took the Word of God and it changed our heart. It's the instrument that changes us. That's why we long for it. We crave it because we have been transformed by it. The Word in this passage here, the Word of the Lord, is obviously referring to the Gospel. In its clearest form, our understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for us is ultimately found where? In the Bible. And the Bible and that message is what can change us. It's what introduced us into a relationship with God. It's the message of the person and work of Jesus Christ is how we are saved. This message, it's the introduction into our desire for the word of God. Who longs for the Word of God? Well, short answer, first answer, those who are born again by it. Those who have been transformed by the Word 
want what? The Word. Do you understand? Now, it's interesting. If you get people into your church and you preach something other than the Word of God, and they come because they like that you can preach, but it's not necessarily the Word of God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to these people if you change the message? Or you start talking about the Word of God? What are they going to do? They're going to leave. They're not going to like it. See, this is one of the reasons why, beloved, that the whole purpose of our church must be to proclaim the Word of God. It must not be just to tickle your ears and make you come and want you to come and be entertained. Because if it's all about entertaining you, guess what's going to happen when we start talking about sin and talking about what the Word of God says? You're going to bail. Do you understand, folks? It's real simple. We're going to build this church using God's Word. That's the instrument that He's going to use to transform your life, and it's the instrument that He's going to use to change my life. That's what we're going to preach here. It's the Word of God. The Word is described by Peter as better than all the glory of flesh and the grass that it's compared to. What happens to the grass? Well, here, by the way, is... This grass is not talking about the grass that our lawns, because most of you don't have flowers growing in your grass, right? This is a wild grass in Palestine that would grow and it'd have beautiful flowers. So it was something that they would look at in that area and say, wow, this is beautiful, right? And though it looked beautiful, what happened to it? It died. It was temporary. Just like flesh, just like us, we are what? perishable. We die. Every one of us are going to die. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Do you understand that this church could come and go? We could all die in this place. Eventually, we're all going to die, right? And if we do, guess what? The word of the Lord is going to continue on, even if all of us in here die. Do you understand that if I blew it, and you blew it, and we all fell away, guess what's going to continue to go? God's Word, it endures forever. Isn't that good news? That's some great encouragement. God's Word endures even when everybody else fails us. Even when all the world falls apart. If everything dies off, God's Word endures forever. And it's the thing that transforms hearts and makes us to have living hearts that endure with God forever. Why are we going to live forever? It's because the word of the Lord endures forever. And when he spoke the gospel to you, if you were transformed by that message, your life became, your, your heart became alive when you were born again, guess what? You're going to endure with him forever, abiding in the word of God. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 18, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth Pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Not a jot or a tittle. The smallest little parts of the Hebrew language, the very little strokes will pass away from the law of God until all is accomplished. Why? Because the word of the Lord endures forever. And it will accomplish what it has been given for the message of redemption in christ jesus will last forever this message is the enduring word of the lord it is our instruction in the faith in jesus christ 
It's the, Lord, it's the word preached to us when we were saved. Therefore, what should we do? Long for the pure milk of the word. We should want it more. We should want the word all the time. Beloved, that's what it's all about. That's why we're here this morning, right? All of us who have been introduced to Jesus through the word of God now must long to know and enjoy him more. We accomplish this through studying and pursuing him in the word of God. At the most basic level, I can tell you to read the Bible until I'm blue in the face. I can stand up here and preach it every Sunday. Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. But you will not long for it. You will not pursue this word unless you have been introduced to his glory through it. And if you know his word and you know him through the word, you will not be able to get away from the word. You will want it. You will desire it. So in here, there might be a few of you saying, wait, but I don't really desire the word all the time. Is there anybody in here? Don't raise your hand. Are there any moments where you go, well, I just don't desire the Bible right now. It's a little easier for me to flip on Facebook and scroll down because all it takes is a thumb movement. Or look at Instagram. Look at these pictures. That's real easy to do. Or turn on the TV. Push the button. Wow, it entertains me. Don't have to do anything. Just sit there. Are there moments in your life where you don't desire the Word of God? If you're like me, we all fight this. It brings us to our next issue and feature of desiring the Word of God. It's the very thing that keeps us from desiring the Word of God. You know what it is? Real simple. Sin. Sin is an obstacle for our desire for the Word of God. Look at the obstacles to our desire for the word of God. We see this in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, long for the pure milk of the word. What is the appetite suppressant for the word of God? What is it that keeps us from feasting on the word of God every day? What is it that keeps us from going to our Bibles and reading and studying and enjoying God's word every day? What is it? Simple answer, sin. Sin is the thing that keeps us from enjoying God's word. So Peter explains, put off sin. Put off these sinful activities, these sinful heart desires that keep you from enjoying the word of God. You see these in these passages. Most of these are related to what's going on in your heart. What's going on in your heart and the desires that you have in your heart. If those desires are not the word of God, it's because you're desiring something that's less than the best, less than what's good for you. And we see it here putting aside all malice and all deceit, hypocrisies, envies, and slanders. He uses this metaphor of putting off. It's like literally he's talking about putting clothes off. It's a word used for putting off clothes. Put off those bad 
activities, those wrong heart desires, those wrong sinful behaviors. Put off these things. Put off sin emphasizes what, we, what must be done before we will even desire the Word of God. Do you understand, folks? If you're here this morning and you say, well, I really, really don't want to hear the Word. Hopefully that's not any of us in the room. But you might be thinking, I, I just really don't want to hear the Bible right now. Well, do you understand that there's something that needs to be put off first? If you put off this sin, you put off desiring something other than God's word, then you will want the word of God. Beloved, this is what it's all about, isn't it? We need to be all in with God's word. Every kind of sin is in view here. Notice the emphasis, all. And Peter uses plurals for hypocrisy. It literally can be translated hypocrisies and envies and slanders. All used in order to make the emphasis that we must be, stop being two-faced. We must stop being fake. Put off malice. What is malice here? It's the basic attitude of ill will towards other people. Having a bad heart attitude towards someone else. Wanting their demise. What do we have here? You see this? Listen closely. Having a bad heart attitude. Wanting their demise. Wanting them to fall. Wanting them to hurt. Wanting them to get fired. What's the word that I repeated over and over? Wanting. What is that? It's a desire. <laughs> See, Envies are desiring someone else's, or malice is desiring somebody else's failure. It's a desire, a heart desire. So if your heart desire is for somebody else's failure, what are you not going to be desiring? The Word of God. Beloved, what you desire determines where you are going and what you will do. If you desire the word of God, you're going to work to what? Study it, know it, enjoy it, delight in it. But if you're desiring somebody at work that's kind of moving their way above you and you don't really like it and you have malice towards them and you desire their failure, what are you going to be thinking on? Their failure. You're going to be plotting their failure. You're going to be plotting how you can get what they have. And what's that going to do? That's going to distract you from the word of God. You will desire the wrong thing. Guile here is an attitude that desires to get the better of another by deception. This is the idea of seeking to one-up someone by deception. Deceptively seeking to be higher than another person. It is looking for a way to trick a person or trap a person for your own benefit. If our hearts are harboring evil towards other people, then we will not desire the word of God. Now, right at this moment, just think for a second. Is there somebody in your life that you despise? You say, why are you bringing this up? Is there someone in your, in your mind or in your heart or your thoughts that... If you never saw them again, you would probably be a happy person. But you're going to see them again. And probably Monday. 
and inside your heart you harbor, man, I wish I didn't see that person again. I wish I was better than that person. I wish that person would just exit this planet. What are you desiring? You are desiring ill towards somebody else. Guess what, beloved? You're not going to desire the word of God if you're desiring that. That makes sense, doesn't it? If you're thinking of or desiring somebody else's ill, you're not going to desire the word of God. Because the word of God, what? Calls us to desire Christ above all. And the word of God calls us to desire others to know Christ. Which means no matter how bad they are, we want them around us. Even the most evil people. Why? Because we love them. Because he first loved us. There can be no hypocrisies going on. Listen, beloved, you might have that dark closet. (laughs) That closet of things that you don't want anybody to know. If we were to publish them right here on this board, we'd all shame, be shamed by it, right? But it's those dark closets, those hypocrisies that keep us from desiring the word of God when we should. Correct? Are there any things in your lives, is there anything in your life that you would be ashamed if other people knew about it? Is there? Most likely, those are the things that are the hypocrisies in your life that keep you from longing for the Word of God. We must put those away, shouldn't we? We need repentance, don't we, beloved? We need God to work in our hearts and cause us to... Put away, put off those sins and embrace Christ, don't we? How much do we need that? A lot. Oh, Lord, help us, right? Help us to put away the hypocrisies in our hearts, our ill will towards other people, our fakeness, those dark closets that we don't want anybody to know about. Help us, Father, put that away. Because when we put those away, we're going to what? Long for the pure milk of the word. We're going to want the word more. All kinds of envying. All kinds of slandering. Anytime we're speaking evil of another person. Anytime we're doing any of those things. It's because our desires have been distorted. Beloved. We must put off sin. In order for us to long for the pure milk of the word. All of these are opposite to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, notice. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Oh, what's the effect of the truth, the word of God? What's it do? It causes us to love the brethren. It causes us to lay our lives down for other people. But if we're envying, we're slandering, we've got guile or deceit or malice towards someone else, what's the problem? We're no longer enjoying the truth. We're no longer obeying the truth. And so what happens? We're no longer loving people, and therefore we will not go back to the Word. How many of you love the gospel? You love the gospel? Until you're sinning. Right? In the midst of the sin? You don't want anything to do with the gospel, do you? If somebody in your midst of your sin, try this one time. I've done it. 
You see somebody, hey, can I read this Bible verse to you? They're in the midst of sin. Hey, can I read this Bible? No. I don't want to hear that right now. Isn't that the way it is? Sin makes us blind to the truth. It makes us not want it. Beloved, we've got to kill sin. What do you say? Let's do it today. It's the only way we're going to study and enjoy the Word of God. If there is sin in your life, it's killing your desire for the Word. Your hope is in the gospel. Turn to Christ. Confess your sins, right? Because if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. How does He cleanse us? By the Word of God. Beloved, please turn to Christ today. Remind yourself of what Christ did. Remind yourself of what the Word says about Christ. How many of us sinned this week? How many of us need a Savior this week? Where do you go to get it? Right here. He's going to tell you about Himself. Run to Christ. He's our hope. And then what will you do? You'll grab your Bibles and start reading them. How many of you make those New Year's resolutions every year? I'm going to read the Bible through every year. I'm going to read it, and you get to about February 26th, like in the midst of Leviticus, and you're like, I'm dead. I'll skip one day. I'll make up for tomorrow. Then before you know it, you're two or three books behind. By the time you hit August, you're like, I can't do this. Maybe it's March for some of you. Beloved, the problem is not whether or not you, you succeed in reading through a Bible. Doing a checklist is not the issue. That's not what it's about. It's about what we pursue what we desire have we tasted the kindness of God the goodness of God is what drives us back to the word checklist how many of you fail at those I do some of you in the room are really good at checklists you can checklist boom and knock it out every week and way to go More power to you, all you in the room that are checklist people, good for you. But you can still have the same heart problem as this guy up here. Because you can do a checklist and not even know what you just read. And not even apply anything that you read. You can be no different than those Muslims that go and pray five times a day. And pray and pray and pray and recite things over and over and over and have absolutely no idea what they're even saying. Beloved, do you desire the Word of God? Do you enjoy the Word of God? Do you crave the Word of God? That is found with where your heart is. Do you love the Word of God? If not, it's because there's sin in your heart. Let us confess that, turn to Him, and then grab our Bibles.
Look what the expanse of our desire for the Word of God should be. It says, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the Word. Boy, isn't that a great little phrase? Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the Word. Put simple, the expanse or the breadth of our desire for the Word of God should, should be immense. Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word. Notice, this is a command. Long for the pure milk of the word. He's commanding, Peter's commanding these suffering Christians, long for the Bible. Long to know God's word more. Long for the word of God. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I was suffering... The thing I would be telling people, or I saw somebody suffering, I would be saying, long for security. Long for a safe place to live. Pursue shelter. Run from your captive. Right? He says what? Long for the pure milk of the word. Where's our hope? It's in the word of God. It's not in our security that we can get from this, the people of this world. Our hope is found in this. This. You say, Mike, this is too simple. Your message is too plain. You sound like a broken record. Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. I'll never forget. I was counseling somebody and they said, you know, all you always tell me is read my Bible and pray. I'm sorry, but that's it. It's the answer. It's not complicated. Read your Bibles and pray. Pursue God and the Word of God because He's your hope. Your hope is not found in this world, is it? It's not found in how strong you are. It's not found in any of that. It's found in this book. For it's here that we get to know God. Like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word. It's a command. This is an extreme desire. Long for. The Greek word here is emphatic. Long for greatly. Crave with an insatiable appetite. Crave it. We should long for it like we can't get enough of it. How many of you can get enough of the Bible? You should never be able to get enough. When I finish on time today, you should say, keep going. I need more. I want more of the word. Beloved, that's what longing for the pure milk of the word looks like. Why should our desire for God's word be great? Well, because of the great quality of it. Isn't the word of God amazing? Everybody in the room says what? Isn't it great? Isn't the word good? Peter explains it. He says it's the pure spiritual milk or the pure thoughts of God milk. This idea of figurative milk is obviously not to be taken literally. The word is not milk, but it is what? It's a simile or a metaphor, right? Probably Peter's carrying on the metaphor like the baby longs for milk. 
The word is being compared to milk. So like the baby longs for milk, we are to long for the word of God. Long to know God more through his revelation. Crave knowing God more through the scriptures. And it is pure milk, isn't it? The milk is described here as pure without error. It's perfect. This is a perfect book, isn't it? It's good. It is the word. Here, the thoughts of God or the thought of God. It's spiritual milk. So the object of our longing should be the perfect, holy thoughts of God. We need to understand the great value of this book, beloved. It is God's word given to us. That book, oh, she just wrote a new one too. Uh, What's her name? Sarah Young, the Jesus Calling book. Throw that out if you own it. Burn it would be better. Make sure nobody else gets it. It is horrible. You want a book? And this lady says, I got to talk to God, and God spoke to her. Beloved, garbage. Look, we have God's revelation to us. This is it. He wants to talk to you. Yes, he does. Read it. Study it. Read this book. Spend time in this book. This is God communicating to you. His revelation of himself. The word is profitable, right? For teaching, reproof, correcting, and training in righteousness. The word is the way we are made mature in the faith. The word is how we are equipped for, to do good works. The word of God is perfect. It converts the soul. The word is dependable, isn't it? It's reliable. It's right. It's perfect. It's without error. Right? Unlike your pastor. I'm just a man. But when I preach this and I speak what it says and I'm accurate to what it says, guess what? It's perfect. Go with what it says, always. Be big, good students of the word because it endures forever. It is valuable and it is good. Do you believe that? I believe that. Why do we spend so much time here in the Bible? Why do we make sure that everything we do in this church is about the Bible? Learning it, studying it, proclaiming it, and applying the word? Because it is valuable and it is all satisfying. And it is the only thing that gives true life. It's found in the word of God. The word of God is the single greatest gift of God apart from Jesus himself. And what is the word of God? It's the way that Jesus was revealed to us. It is the word of God. Peter used a simile to explain like a newborn babe long for this pure milk of the word. All of you that have had babies, you know what that's like, right? When the baby wants milk, it wants milk. It wants it now. If it's hungry, it screams. You know, when we arrived at the orphanage, we went upstairs to the room where Samuel was, and he had grown, grown up. We were in the room with probably ten beds. It was a little dark in there, and several people were with us. At some point, one of the nannies put Samuel down, and he ran off to another room. I noticed he was missing, and I asked, where did he go? I, you know, you have the translators. You're always trying to figure things out. 
Where did he go? We walked down the hall to try to find him, and he was in this little room that looked like a kitchen. And he walked out, and he had a, 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 a box of something with a straw sticking out of it and two more of those boxes under his arm. Walks out sipping this thing. And I asked, well, what is that that he's drinking? We've got to get some more of this, right? And he really likes it. It was the formula that he had grown up on. He had been still, he's still drinking, or he was then, still drinking formula. He longed for it. You know, Samuel really was back in his orphanage. He had been away for, what, a day and a half, two days. And the only thing that really had his attention was what? His formula. He wanted to go back to the fridge and get some formula. He didn't really care about his bed. He didn't care about his friends. He didn't care about the toys or any of that stuff. Even the nannies. He let me down. Let me go get some milk. Beloved, that's the kind of desire we should have for the Word of God, right? We should want the Word of God so much that nothing can get in our way. We've got to have it. Beloved, this is the kind of desire we need. I want this kind of desire. How about you? I want to know the word more. I want to crave the word more. Oh, God, show me in my heart where there is sin so that I can put it away and I can enjoy your word. Oh, that the delight of my heart would be the word of God always. That's my prayer today. Is that your prayer? I want the Word of God, to be my insatiable desire all the time. That's a good prayer. We should crave the Word of God like babies crave their mother's milk. We have heard this before. So how is your appetite for the Word of God? In this part of your walk, what do you crave? Being in China reminded me of something. Of the things I missed in America. One, in Specifically, the food. To speak specifically, Chick-fil-A. No Chick-fil-A's in China. We found a Pizza Hut, and it was the best restaurant in China. <laughs> By far. By a long shot. Even better than the McDonald's, because the McDonald's, hmm, not sure what's the beef. So what did I crave? I craved Chick-fil-A. So when we got back yesterday, what did we have? Chick-fil-A. It was good, too. Why is it that I crave these things? The answer? Because I've tasted it. It's good. Chick-fil-A tastes good, doesn't it? It's the same way with the Bible. Why do I crave it so much? Because it's good. It's where I know God. I can't get enough of it. You keep me away from it, and I want more of it. You take me to a church and set me down in one of those churches where the guy gives you five points and a leg split and a neat story, and it's all about feeling good about yourself, and you know what I do? It makes me want to vomit. It may, I can't wait for the service to get over. I just want the Bible. Will you preach the Bible? That's all I want. How about you guys? just want the Bible. If you crave the Bible, this is the place for you. Because this is what we're going to preach. 
On top of that, you need to have that kind of desire for the word every day. Oh, Lord, help our desire to be for your word. Give it to me, God. I have a challenge for you. It's in your bulletin. Let's all do some kind of reading plan this year. Let's really pursue studying the Bible. I have one I'm doing. And you say, well, Mike, anybody can read the New Testament in a year. Well, good. Go for it. (laughs) If you want to do the whole Bible, wonderful. That's good. Go for it. This isn't the only reading plan for you. But one thing I do want to encourage all of you that are doing a reading plan, do one that you're going to stick to. And do one that you're actually going to learn and you're going to study. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I have to read like 10 chapters in a day, you know what I have a tendency to do? Read it and have no idea what I read. I finish and I go, okay, I read Elijah, a story, something about him, and then on. You know, you're, you're zooming through it. So I'd rather take... And it says five minutes on that thing. If you're taking five minutes to read a chapter, you're going too fast. Okay? Take some time. Read a chapter a day and actually meditate on it. Think on it. And then take this thing called a journal out. Anybody anybody have a journal? Take that out and write down some thoughts of what you saw. Spend 15 to 30 minutes a day studying the Bible. And meditating on the Bible. And then whatever you do, don't just make a list. I've seen this before. It's very interesting. You, you give a project to somebody and you say, make observations or, or, or uh, read a chapter and tell me what you see. And they, they write all these things down and they become real good at seeing things, but they don't make any application. Oh, beloved, make sure you're making application. What is the word calling you to do? What's it calling you to think? Let's really dig in to the Word of God this year. Is everybody in with me? Let's do it. And if you want to follow along on our devotions, you can get with me afterwards, and I post my responses or my, my own thoughts from the day, and I can give them to you. Beloved, can you imagine if all of us were reading and applying the Word of God daily? Wouldn't that be great? We'd be, we'd be the only church in maybe the world that did it every day. That's what I want, beloved. Let's do that. Long for the pure milk of the word. I don't know about the world because I know places like in China, the underground church and some of these other places, you know what? They don't have time to be distracted with anything else other than the word of God. Those that are running for their life, you know what they do? They grab their Bible and run. And read. They're always spending time in the word of God. Because it's our only hope, right? Notice the purpose for our desire for the word of God. The purpose, it's so that by it, you may grow in respect to salvation. Anybody in here struggle with the idea of not getting any further than you were before? Do you feel like, Man, I grew a lot initially, but man, I don't feel like I'm growing much. I don't see a lot of fruit of growth in my life. Well, you know, it might be because the very thing that causes the growth isn't being used. 
and applied. We need to study the Bible. We need to apply the Bible. And as we do, God uses the Bible, the gospel revealed in the Bible, to transform our lives. Are you reading your word? Because it's through studying the Bible and meditating on the Bible and memorizing the Bible and applying the Bible that you grow with respect to your salvation. What introduced us to salvation is also what sanctifies us in Christ. Do you understand? You are set apart from the world as you read and study and apply the Bible. But if you're not reading and studying and applying the Bible, you're not going to be different than the world. You're going to look just like it. That's why much of the professing Christian world in America looks just like the world. Why? Because they don't enjoy the Bible. It's it. So that signals the purpose for desiring the Word of God. The Word is what causes Christian growth. We look more like Jesus when we study about Jesus. God uses the Bible to develop our relationship with Him. As we desire and then study and memorize and read and listen and meditate, sin is kicked out of our hearts and Christ becomes Lord of all. And He is our delight. How do you think Christians in America would react to heavy persecution? How do you think they would react to this message of sacrifice and of maybe being martyred for the faith? I'm afraid that we would have a lot of people bailing. Why? Answer, real simple. They don't study the Bible. The Bible is the thing that's least preached even. Nice little stories. Listen to Joel Osteen. He can tell a story, can he? I mean, story after story after story after story and no Bible. And you can smile, and he can smile. But we don't. The America is not learning about who God is. And so if persecution ever came, we would crumble. I think this scripture gives us the reason why our culture is on the brink of collapse morally. Believers aren't growing because we aren't desiring the word of God above all else. How valuable is hearing the word of God preached? How valuable is reading your Bible? How valuable is memorizing scripture? What we value is what we spend the most time doing. Listen to me closely, beloved. What we are dedicated to reveals what our desires are. What we spend our time doing reveals whether or not we really desire the Word of God. I'll tell you what, if you can give me 15 stats about your favorite football team and you can't tell me anything about what you read in your Bible last week, we got a problem, don't we? And this goes to everything, beloved. And let me tell you, let me explain something. Listen to me closely. And I'm talking to my, I'm preaching to myself too on some of these things. Listen closely. Often the distractions from the word are good things. Are you hearing me? They're good things. Being a hard worker, that's what? 
a good thing. Making a living, a good thing, isn't it? Raising your family, good thing. Family time, good thing. Having a nice home, all women say, amen. It's a good thing. Clean house, all men say, good thing, <laughs> right? We all like a clean house. Those are good things. Being physically healthy, good thing. Gains, it's all gains, right? Physically, being able to, right? Those are good things. But those good things can also be distractions. Let me ask you a question. Do you wake up thinking, I need to read the Word? Or do you wake up thinking, where am I going to get my gains today? (laughs) Got to make sure I do my exercise today. Got to make sure I clean the house today. Got my to-do list. Got to get all that done. Do you wake up thinking, hey, you know what? I want to be the best at my job. I want to do a great job. Those aren't bad things, are they? But beloved, why is it that after months of doing these good things, we can find ourselves so far removed from the one that gives true joy? And the answer is because we've forsaken our first love. Do you love the Bible? Do you study the Bible? Nothing should come in the way of reading the Word, pursuing God. If any of these take precedent over the Word of God, then our desires are mixed up. We have a priority problem, don't we? Now you say, well, Mike... My health, so important. Yeah, it is. It is important. But it's only going to be here. Even if you pursue it and you do the greatest job at being, y'all seen some of these guys running down? There's this one guy that runs over on Skipper. He's, it's hilarious. I mean, the running man. He runs, and he must be in his 60s, but he runs fast. He's pursuing physical. I hope he's pursuing his soul as much. Because, beloved, that's the only thing that's going to matter in the end, right? What you long for is what you will choose to do. Your choices all come from where your desires are. Finally, we see the motivation, and we'll close with this. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. I think it should be translated better if you have tasted the goodness of the Lord. What drives us? What motivates us? What makes us sit down and read our Bibles? What is it that makes me choose reading the Scriptures over doing something that's good but not as good? What is it that gets me up early in the morning to read this? What is it that makes me when I roll over and I wake up early instead of 
flipping my phone on and looking over at Facebook, but instead picking up the Bible and reading it? What is it that makes us go there? The answer, it's the goodness of God that's revealed here. It's how good God is. Do you understand, beloved, that this book reveals God to us? And we know that he is worthy of praise because what is revealed in this book. And the more I study this book, the more I know him. And the more I know that he is all-satisfying. Is God all-satisfying to you, beloved? Is he? If he is, this will be your first place you go. Because you want to know him more. Since you have tasted the goodness of God, long for the pure milk of the word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We want to confess that, God, there are so many things in our lives that distract us. These good things, these good gifts that you have given us, but often we prioritize the gift over the giver. We often prioritize the things that we have instead of uh, the material things, instead of you and delighting in you. Oh, God, remind us of your goodness that's found in the word. Remind us of how good you are that you saved wretched sinners like us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, make this book come alive in our souls. May we know you more. May we then pursue you with all of our hearts. God, may this church be a congregation of people that long for the pure milk of the word in 2017. May this be a church that desires the word of God more than anything else. May we pursue you with all of our hearts because of the goodness that we have tasted in it. We love you, Father. We pray that you help us to share this good news with others. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.